Was there another mass shooting today? Oh, what boy. What the fuck? 11 National Guard soldiers transporting vaccines held at gunpoint in West Texas. Suspect arrested. He looks like a white Taliban. White Osama bin Laden. I feel like we're in an episode of G.I. Joe. (laughs) 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 And Cobra Commander is... Yes, Destro. (laughs) We must take all the vaccines. (laughs) G.I. Joe will never win against Cobra Commander. (laughs) (laughs) Bitches. Cobra Commando, you must understand that the Joes, if they get the vaccine... Play to me, the Destro. Stop acting like a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You're always a bitch. (laughs) Where is Scarlet at? Tell Scarlet to come to my chambers. (laughs) Cobra Commander wants to eat some ass. This is another episode of Decoding 40. Decoding 40. What's up? This is Mac, aka Mr. Raw, making all your fantasies come true. This is Hello, live from BK, but residing in Harlem. What's up? It's your boy Vin, aka Vinny Pugazi, master of impressions. Yo, what's up? This is Howard, and I'm talking directly into the mic. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting episode of Decoding 40. And we always bring the funny. My name is Mac, a.k.a. Mr. Rourke, and I am here with my main man. This is your boy L.O. A.k.a. It's just me. Just me, just me, just me again. What's up? It's your boy Vin in the building, a.k.a. Cobra Commander. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Hope everybody's good out there in these streets, man. This is Alaric. Welcome. <laughs> Are you put upon by being here? He's like, oh, this is, oh, this I, is I wish we could skip these intros. We should can some. No, no, I, no, like I was listening to do it fresh. Yeah, I think so too. I, I was listening to a friend of mine's podcast. And he does not introduce himself. He doesn't introduce the guests. They just start talking. And I was like. Okay, maybe he did this once and just mm-hmm. forgot and just was like, I got to run with it. I listened to another episode. After the third episode, I was like, okay, I'm not listening to this anymore. Because why do I have to no. read the show notes in right. order to know who you're talking to? I'm just going for a more organic type of feel. And I'm just yeah, basically. Kind of the and he probably is. He's, he's an artsy type, so. Yeah. He has no know. manners. <laughs> I don't I don't introduce guests because introduction is is a concept of time that I don't believe in. It's part of the patriarchy, man. Yeah. It's part of the institutional racism that continues yeah. to hold us back. Yeah. Well, yeah, but at least but some podcasts also want to spend 35 minutes introducing a guest and reading their whole resume and you have and, an amazing and, way of going from one extreme to you the know other what I mean? extreme. Yeah. Saying someone's name does not take 35 minutes. Well, you know. It, and it, he it, was the first person to 
win this award 25 minutes <laughs> later. And he's this gentleman. He is such a great man. <laughs> Stephen Miller, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yo, if we had if we had a dossier, that wouldn't happen. If we had a, a show, show dossier. Oh, boy. That's all right. That's all right. Oh, that's all right. Memories. So, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> What's up, Stephen? All right. I'm I'm just glad he still speaks to me. That's all. Johnson. <laughs> that's fine. This is Stephen Johnson's name, right? Samson. What did he say after the show? He said, "What's up with your man?" Nothing. Oh, okay. That that's that's I, the worst I, part. He I said, apologize, oh, no. <laughs> but I apologize to him. I apologize to him on the show. I apologize to him. No, that was a I'm poor sorry. apology. You were actually like, like, "Yo, why don't you say your name?" Tell <laughs> 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 yeah, people who you, you know are. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I ain't got time for that shit. Because you know what? Because you know what? Say something. Sounds like some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on in your lives, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> Rick, how was your day? Oh, I love this show. Oh, my day was cool. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I've I had to install a Nest doorbell camera because oh, I'm so someone interested. decided to let their dog shit on my side. Not not just shit in front of my house, but it was dragged pretty much from one spot to the next. I guess the dog had his paw in it or I don't know but it was it, I had to I had to rinse off the sidewalk like I had to pull out the hose and wash down the sidewalk I'm like you know what fuck that I need a camera I need to know whose dog <laughs> who allowed their dog because this is like the third time somebody had their dog shit in front of my house and didn't pick it up mm. I'm at war with anyone who wants to dump trash or let their dog poop in front of my crib like do that in front of you, because if I find out, I'm gonna find out where you live, and you're gonna have a surprise. Rick is now but, big brother. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> Rick, Rick, Rick is gonna start sitting in front of his door with like Braveheart face paint on. Well, now he no longer no, has. I don't have to do that. He I don't have to do that. I just watch the alerts and see, because I have two zones <laughs> set up, right? Now, this so I have is one hilarious. zone if you if you actually come into. My yard, it goes off. But if you walk in front of that patch, in front of you walk on my sidewalk, it goes off. So I know most of the time it's just innocent people just walking by. You go on into but my I'm watching. You can talk to the app and talk to the person. I, I know um, what to get Rick for his birthday. I'll get him a crossbow. Rick, do you have um, a tree in front of your house? Yeah. What you should do is get, well, I don't know if you, you guys still have plastic bags in Brooklyn, but you get all your plastic bags when you go shopping and create like a little holder and put all the stuff and put a curb your dog sign there. No. Maybe it'll help. Well, first of all, first of all, uh, plastic bags are now uh, illegal in New York. Oh, okay. You have to bring your own bag to the supermarket. Yeah. But, no, I, I'd, you, I'd rather scoop it up and, and throw it at their front door if I can find them. Can, can you get a sensor light? I do have a sensor light. Doorbell? So when, they, it, so when not, they walk they, by, it lights up. What if it's during the day? Well, no, I do have a sensor light, but you'd have to 
actually come nigga, that's Flatbush the Brooklyn. You think, you think these niggas are scared of lights in Brooklyn? We have, we have a little light. But it may, not, light it may so not be I can, a, Now I can see my phone. <laughs> it may not be a night. It may not be a night. So last, last, like the first year that we were here, right? I had put down some red mulch in front of my house, like around the tree, make it look like, make the little patch of, of nothing, no grass, make it look a little nice, whatever, right? I come out in the morning and the mulch is scratched out on the sidewalk. Somebody obviously let their dog scratch out. And I'm like, how does somebody do that? You just stood there and watched your dog do this, right? I swept it back in. Happened again. Happened a third time. Happened a fourth time. I don't then know why I this look out mulch here. And I caught the woman who was doing it. And I opened the door. I flung the door open. I was like, so it wasn't what the dog? Are you, it was why the are you letting... <laughs> the woman was doing it? <laughs> she was holding the dog. So I'm like, why would you let your dog do that? Right? So now I come to find out this woman was paralyzed on her left side. She had had a stroke a few months before. Oh. And the dog literally did what it was a big, it was a it was a it was a wide, muscular little pit bull. And the and the dog was basically dragging her around. I've had a stroke. And I but I let her have it before I realized that she had the stroke. You stupid motherfucker. She was so, she was so she was so apologetic. I'm sorry. Then I felt, then I felt I'm bad. Sorry. Like, I'm sorry, I'm your sorry. dog. I'm she has to get it. Too. She has to get it too. I'm sure you don't. I, well, no, I I let her have it, but then yeah. I felt bad after. No, 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 no. Equal opportunity. She said, she no. said, I will not walk the dog on this side of the street anymore. Good job. I was like, exactly. but then I saw like a few days later, so I, you know what? So she was like in her, probably in like her late 50s, early 60s. Fuck you. I felt bad. I was like, you know what? I, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked to you that way. Um, you know, whatever. I, I, Listen, this and now I see happened at least four times. You're it a did. handsome young man. Why don't you it go did. back to my house and really give me an apology? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, on my geez. right side, everything oh. on the left. <laughs> well, well, you do have some experience in this area, so you know which oh, area. Oh shit! You know, I hate this show. I hate this show. <laughs> you know, Kawatu, the legend oh, one of Kawatu. You, you have you have some experience with the. Uh, with that, so she wasn't she wasn't paralyzed. She was just side. a little strokey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's a little strokey. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, we are hot tonight. Wow. <laughs> okay, what's going on with you, Al? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, just meetings oh, and uh, Zoom calls. That's it. Actually, I'm not even prepared today. Maybe these <laughs> details are exciting. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm about to. <laughs> I respect that answer, though. I respect that answer. Like, yeah, I'm not even here. I just, uh, I'm phoning it in. Right. This, this is how they do on Clubhouse. This is Leon, and I'm done speaking. Hey, you. Yeah, you, Dakota Forty fan. You got a problem with us? Give us a call. Six zero eight. 618-4040. Tell us how you really feel. You might end up on the show. We double, triple fucking dare you. Fuck out of here. Yo, I've been watching more Clubhouse on uh, YouTube, which has been really, really interesting. Uh, what? People You've been watching Clubhouse? What yeah, do you mean? because there's, there's a lot of these interesting conversations. So, so watching Clubhouse on YouTube is like DVR in Clubhouse. It's like I get to watch the like 
the drama moments and all of the miscellaneous. Who's recording uh, it? Uh, it's the team. Oh, it's, it's all over YouTube. It's all over it's YouTube. It's called Clubhouse it's kind of Team. So, like, if this person has beef with that person, they'll record the beef, and I can just listen to the 15 minutes of beef. And I can skip the rest of it. So I actually you, had to block somebody for the first time. But go ahead. What was your question then? Oh, why'd you, why'd you have to block him? Uh, he had created a room that was called Should West Africa Apologize to Black Americans for Using the Word Takata? Is that a beer from Mexico? No, it's not. It's, um, it's a, a Yoruba word that, from my understanding, translates to having no culture or not being connected to your people. And... I can I first became f- familiar with the word from watching Sugar Hill, the movie Sugar Hill starring Wesley Snipes. Ooh. You guys familiar with that movie? Yeah, Ooh. I love that movie. Yeah, of course. Okay, Ooh. so do you remember when Wesley and his brother are in the restaurant and they're meeting with African drug dealers? Oh yeah. And one of the guys keeps saying, I can't work with this Takata. So then eventually Wesley says, What is this Takata shit? Or Romello says, what is this Takata shit? And then he says, uh, basically, having no culture. I can't remember the exact line. But I was dating, um, like a couple of years later, was dating a, a Nigerian woman. And we would joke about it because her father could not stand me because I was a black American. And we would always joke about it. Like, yeah, I know he's like, every time I come around, like, oh, this Takata. So I always had like, a different kind of relationship with the word. I never took it incredibly serious. Because one, it means to have no culture and black people obviously have an amazing culture in America. So anyway, this guy, just to provide some context, this guy creates his room and says, uh, should West Africans... Now the problem immediately is to say West Africans should uh, apologize for anything is like saying, should the West Coast apologize to this one person or group of people? Um, and then a lot of people were coming in the room trying to say, you know, basically, you know, this the way you're framing this conversation is horrible. And he just was constantly berating them and cutting them off and just throwing them off the stage. And I was like, you're gaslighting people and they're actually trying to be more thoughtful about the conversation and be nuanced. And one woman and a couple of brothers actually were really breaking it down in terms of why the approach to the question is flawed. So after a while, he just started just berating them. And I was like, yo, I can't take this anymore. Like I, and I've heard him in a room before and he's one of these quote unquote intellectuals that gets stuck on an idea and cannot evolve in the moment. Because if you get presented with new information repeatedly, at least, and he did this a little bit because he, he was trying to suggest that Africans in America were never treated hostily by black Americans. And I'm 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 just livid in my in my bedroom listening to this. Like you've never heard of black people disparaging Africans in America. God. African okay. booty scratcher. We came it, up that with was, that. was the number one thing that kept coming up. The whole thing about the starving people in Africa. Everything about Africa and black people was just seen as negative. So and that had a lot to do with us culturally not right. really dealing with our colorism and connection to Africa and all that other stuff. And white supremacy. white supremacy, that's what I meant to say. So eventually people started to kind of correct him and he eventually got that part. But he still could not understand why it was problematic to say that an entire coast of a continent where one uh, uh, religious tradition is responsible for this word, and not everybody in that tradition uses this word, why would the entire 
West Coast have to apologize for it. So anyway, I'm 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 going on about this because it did piss me off. But that was the reason why I had to block him because this was this this dude is just incredibly toxic in terms of his thinking, and I just did not want to be accidentally in another room with him. So I was like, man, nah. you get the first block of Clubhouse, sir. Congratulations. Congratulations. So what happens if you go to a, into a room? I think I get and he's blocked. I think if he's on stage, I might not even see the room. But if he's in the room, I get an alert letting me know that someone that I've blocked is in this room. Interesting. What's so funny about you saying that is I was um, a young lady that works for me, lives in Johannesburg in South Mm -hmm. Africa. And today we were having a political conversation because today is a holiday in South Africa. Today is Heritage Day. So I needed to know everything about this. So I said, please tell me what Heritage Day is. Heritage Day started as a way for, uh, and she's also, you know, younger than we are. So she was, she, Heritage Day is a way for people to, who hadn't at one point now had the ability to express their particular culture. And it used to be the various different tribes uh, within South Africa would be able to showcase their culture because they had no space to do so. As South Africa has evolved, it's now a way for everyone to express their heritage. So I was fascinated by this, but everybody's off and everybody gets to kind of explore their heritage. And what was so funny is we started having a conversation about a part politics and she was asking me about the American political system and which way do I lean and what do I think? And, and she asked me about Candace Owens. And she says, well, what do you think about it? She says, I just became aware of her because she was on a show with Russell Brand. And I basically told her, I said, my problem with Candace Owens is Candace, I think there's two types of, of people. There are people, when, not, when I don't feel like their politics are in the right, right, in the right place, I feel like there are people who know better and do it anyway. And there are people who, and I've said this on the podcast before, and I think there are people who actually believe this shit. So I said, Candace Owens a couple of years ago was a liberal. And Candace Owens now is getting paid to do this. So we were talking about Candace Owens. And what was so interesting is her take on how Americans approach each other versus how South Africans approach each other. But then she said, in all reality, it's not that different because now the ANC is in power over there and they used to have no power. And now it's swung all the way back to the ANC, but they've overcompensated and how the ruling party of of the ANC is now dominating these low-information voters and going into towns and doing the same thing that Republicans do to their voters. And it was just a really interesting conversation. So shout out to her. I want to continue that conversation. I want to learn more about African politics just in general, not just South Africa, but interesting. I had an interesting day. I, I will say that's the and, interesting thing about Clubhouse is because you do get to be a fly on the wall in a lot of conversations. I go into a lot of African rooms. I go into... I go into Chinese rooms and I don't even understand what the hell they're saying. Like, but I just want to feel the energy of the conversation. I've I've gone into <laughs> I've gone into going there go Pacquiao out. <laughs> I've gone into French rooms where they speak English and French. So that I think is the power of the app where you can sort of be put into these conversations that you would normally never even know that are hot button topics in different areas of the world. What else? Oh, I'm house shopping. We're looking for houses. Congratulations. That's been not fun. It's not fun. Where are you looking? Not fun because of COVID 
in the restrictions or not fun because you have to move well, during the pandemic or the tail end of one? All of that. So what has happened is because there's a mass exodus from New York City and you're looking for houses, houses last on the market about 3.5 seconds. So by the time you've walked through the house and come out, there's an offer on the house. So um, it's been a little crazy in that regard. And because it's a seller's market, the prices are up. So um, mm-hmm. all of those things combined, um, it's a little stressful. And every time you think you found the house, um, you find something better or something wrong with the old house or... It's just anybody who's went house shopping, it's about, you know, it's about as fun as getting a colonoscopy. So that I haven't done, that, but it's coming up. I, gotta. I, I actually like that process, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't shopping. No, not the colonoscopy. The colonoscopy? <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't, it was also wasn't a pandemic. I've only gone house shopping once and I was for an investment property. So it was totally different experience. Yeah. It's also trying to, you know, trying with your with your spouse, trying to agree on what your needs are. That's the other piece of it. Like, what do you need? What do I need? What does the baby need? You need what she needs. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> That's a simple. Discuss- it's simple. Those are your needs, sir. Yeah. I just I just discovered. She that. tells you what you need, <laughs> right. and then you go shopping. <laughs> You Isn't that how it works? You look at this pretty much the wrong way, Matt. You looking at this the wrong way. What you should be looking at right now is where you can put your fucking man cave, your fucking space where you can have for yourself because that's, <laughs> that's what it. you're going to be relegated to, that's sir. It. Get used to it. Every fucking get yourself. Make sure that wherever you're, there's enough outlets, you're able to get a pool table or some sort of entertainment <laughs> through the sliding doors because there's probably going to be sliding doors in the man cave, right? You're going to have leather seats, nigga, ventilation. You gotta ha- be able to have ventilation so when you smoke the cigars, it don't go upstairs and fuck with the baby, right? You have to mm-hmm. have all of these qual- qual- uh, qualifications when you're looking for a house. You're going are you by finding the wrong ha- way. Are you finding That's houses it. with basements? Yes. I, I will say this. I have been uh, allowed to have a den and a, a man cave in each one of these. A den and a man That's cave. all you should be concerned about. The rest of the house does not belong to you. Yeah, exactly. I have, yeah. I, have, I have an office because, I, you, as you guys know, I work from home, so I have to have an office. And I have to have a place to put my feet up. And Your office and man cave is one thing. You can have one <laughs> section that's the office that is the man cave. It's, the, it's everything. You get one space, two chairs. That's good. <laughs> you you know get 250 square feet, feet my friend. Screen. Son, like right. if you get the basement, you good. If you got it, listen. If you got a shower, I just came back from when I came back from Mike's crib. He got a nice basement area down there, man. He's got a, a like a full apartment down there. That's all you really need. Yeah, you know what? What do you, what do you what do you expect? It's over. Listen, you live downstairs. <laughs> you visit upstairs. <laughs> Hold on, I'm taking That's notes. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Hey, you need a little place. You can put some soundproof up. You can have your little office down there. Something with a lock I, on it. I, I will say this: all all of everything that there has had elements. All, all of the <laughs> all of the spaces we we have looked at has that. And I and I like a fireplace, so I'm looking for a fireplace and a fire pit. You know, the place where I can put a fire pit and stuff like that. So. So you moving to Jersey? Yep. I'm looking at Jersey. Yeah, it's it's, it's you know upside upside. Right, I can let me know ram- when you want to get your home defense on. I was just getting ready to say I can I can be over here with let me know over here with uh, Carl Weathers and uh, and make sure Why I is Carl my Weathers. <laughs> I don't Carl, know. Right. I, well, I didn't want to say Rocky. Uh, what's the name? Rambo. Rambo. Hey, get Rambo. over here. Hey. 
fucking so, but yeah. guys. So that's yeah, it. You no, I, I can imagine the uh, the market being as hot as it is being frustrating. Yeah. Literally, be, literally I, we walked in there and the, and the broker was like, um, we went. In, so what's today? Monday. We went in this Sunday. She was like, yeah, this house won't be here uh, Tuesday morning. Mm. While we're walking through it, she was like, yeah, this won't be here Tuesday morning. Very <laughs> Why are you showing it to that. me? Because she you wants you to be like, oh, I'll take it. Here's, here's the cash. Mm. That's right. Close the deal. Have you guys looked in Maplewood or T-Neck? Maplewood, yes. I love that area. I you like T-Neck? I don't care for T-Neck too much. I think T-Neck isn't what it used to be. It's, it's got, it's it's got some character to it. Yeah. That nigga Mac, Mac, Mac got to be in a in in a, in a nice nice neighborhood. She ain't moving no Maplewood. I think Maplewood. I think if Maplewood is the home of the like twelve inch pancake, you'll love Maplewood. <laughs> I love Maplewood. I've been to Maplewood. I've been to Maplewood. I think it's the twelve inch pancake. I think it is. I think it's the home the, of the twelve inch pancake. The, the only thing that was most exciting about the trip was I got to stop. Point. Have you got? Have you guys ever been to Wegmans? You guys ever been to Wegmans? No. Well, Wegmans, no, the the uh, grocery store. Yo. Yeah. I love Wegmans, man. Wegmans is like Wegmans is like between Stop and Shop and and uh, Whole Foods. Be it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, if if you ever drive by Wegmans and you got an hour, go inside. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. I'm trying. There's another grocery store in Maryland that Harris Teeters. Sounds expensive. Very Caucasian, sir. It's very, very Caucasian. I don't know how expensive it is, but uh, yeah. I, meaning I don't know if it's much more expensive than Whole Foods. Yeah, but yeah. Well, do you, well, Vince? Do you consider Whole Foods uh, Caucasian? Uh, I don't. Not necessarily Caucasian. It's in. It's usually in Caucasian neighborhoods. But black folks been going to Whole Foods forever. They ain't nothing okay. new. I don't know about forever. <laughs> They've been going. Forever. They just won't put them in our neighborhoods. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's one in my neighborhood, but and the one that's right. I was gonna say that the one count. that is in the neighborhood is. <laughs> he said that don't count. That don't count. That's the Whole <laughs> Food Reject Store. That was the gentrification test case. That's, <laughs> that's, that's bad food there. That's the <laughs> outlet. That's it. When the food is expired, you go there and get it at a discount. Whole, that's the outlet. It, it, and, and the thing is, it, you thought it was Whole Foods? No, it's it's spelled H O L E. It took the W off. <laughs> it's compromised it, foods. It's wow, whole. Man. It's Whole Foods in them. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking four day old muffins. Oh, Don't worry, man. they still good. Shit, what y'all expected? Fresh food in Harlem, nigga, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Uh. Yo, this is Vincent, a.k.a. Many Voices. Hey, what's up? This is Alaric, and I'm speaking directly into the mic. This is Mac, a.k.a. Mr. Rourke, making all your dreams come true. This is Hello. Thank you for listening to Decoding 40. Make sure that you follow us. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Do we tweet? A little bit. We tweet. We tweet. All right. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. No Snapchat at all. And go to www.decoding40.com. Make sure you sign up so you can keep following us. Thank you for listening to Coden 40, <laughs> goddammit. No. What's going on with you, Vin? Finishing up vacation, about to go back to work. I have to get a fence in my backyard, and it's going to cost me some money. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I got a guy coming in on April, I think the 2nd or the 3rd, to do the measurements and stuff. But I need some stuff done, and the fence... This is going to cost a pretty penny. So 
Fences are fucking expensive. Yeah. I mean, th- relatively speaking, I mean, it's it's some money. It's going to cost me some money. Hopefully, it'll be a tax write-off next year. But um, I, I got to estimate the beginning of last summer because I wanted to put in this horizontal wood f- slat fencing. Mm-hmm. He told me $10,000. I told him, good day, sir. <laughs> how, day. How, uh, how big is your yard? It's about 50 uh, by 25 by 50. I don't even know if it's 50. Well, let's just say it's, it's that. Not, it's not very, yeah, let's just say it's that. If you say it's that, it's... It's not a huge bag. You probably would, you you should be paying between, I'd say by six to nine grand, depending on the materials. But to actually install the fence in your yard, it probably costs about three, four grand. It's the materials that, that fucking get you. You'd be better off getting the materials that you need, doing the measurements, and having someone come and put it in for you. You know what I mean? Build it yourself, um, man. I, I actually was watching YouTube videos. To there you go. YouTube University. That's the best. I think I could do it. You I can. Need some, I need some heavy tools. You yeah, can do it. it. Call I me. totally do it. Call me in four years when you finish, <laughs> and I'll be there to cushion <laughs> the opening of the backyard again. Because this thing gonna have I, I need, uh, rusty saws. You need to go buy the wood and go to in front of Home Depot and pull up with an envelope and, and get and get some help. Yeah, there's yeah, several. There's, uh, that's, that's cute. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. They got to YouTube that. too. Listen, Jorge, I need you. One, one. <laughs> YouTube. Just get a big, big screen and put it in the backyard with YouTube hooked up to it <laughs> in Spanish with the subtitles. Put a projector. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Spanish Mr. Mr. Alaric, you'll be finished very soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, there's been a lot of chatter this week from the families, Tamir Rice's mother, a couple other mothers whose children have been slain by police officers, and they are coming out against what we'll call civil rights activists. I think that's fair. People like Tamika Mallory and Sean King after Tamika Mallory did her her Grammy performance. And they're very upset that these people are monetizing what they feel is they're monetizing the legacy of their of their children or the legacy of their children's murder. Um, They have all responded to this. But what do you guys think? Is it fair for civil rights activists to be able to build an organization that has a financial component to it from which they are able to earn a living by talking talking about the issues around their children. This is nothing new in regards to money and civil rights and there being issues and people being called out because King got called out. A lot of the people and Snake and all of them had issues with King. This is back and forth during the 60s. So Going after civil, you know, the there's always issues with the money. My problem is I didn't see the videos. I'm 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 hearing what you guys said, but even before you decide to drop the video, was there any conversation with Tamika and any of the other people that she was, you know, chastising? Like, did, did she have a? Did she try to have a conversation, or was she just no ignored? Well, like one, what she happened? Like, I, I don't one, know. She wasn't I don't chastising. Know. I wish you had watched it. She wasn't chastising Tamika. She actually said that she didn't meet her she hadn't talked to her she doesn't know much about what she's done in terms of connection she was chastising Tamika in the sense that she was on the Grammys but Mm -hmm. she was really going after all of these 
what she called ambulance chasers in general. Okay. So Lee that's Derry Sean. And, yeah, and that's Crump. Sean King. That's Crump. That's uh, Lee Merritt, and and all those folks. So, so in in her in in what she was saying now, like my that was my question. My question would be: Did she try to speak to them in regards to? Because if she, my thing is, if they were making money off of Tamir Rice's name, were they giving it to some sort of organization? Were they giving anything to her? Were there some sort of arrangement? Or she's just mad that things are not. I, like that's what I'm trying to figure out. What she called out was Sean King had sent her, I think sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and raising money. I think in the name of Tamir Rice. This this is again. This is a lot of hearsay. She was saying that people told her that he had raised up to a hundred thousand dollars, but she only received sixty. But she had never met Sean King. Mm-hmm. So and she also I, said she had no proof that. There was exactly. actually a hundred thousand dollars raised, right? And then someone oh, else on Twitter had her. said that King had raised like four point one million dollars, and, and gave it sixty thousand, right? But again, all of this is hearsay; it hasn't been proven, and it it gets very murky because you can see the two factions starting to form in terms of people who support Sean King. And others who think he is a charlatan. Obviously, she is very angry. And I think that her anger is pointed in directions. I'm not going to say that they shouldn't be pointed, but I, I feel like the people who killed her son should have the bulk of the scorn. What I heard her say, she was really going after these few people and saying that what they were doing is somehow um, disrespecting the memory of her son and possibly using his likeness to make money. While I know that she is going through something that's incredibly painful and and she's going to be experiencing this for the rest of her life, there is a bigger thing happening because they're trying to make sure that there isn't another one without the justice being served. That's their goal. They can't save Tamir Rice. They can't bring him back. They can't force that government now to convict that police officer. But what they can do is work towards getting to a place where this can't happen again to another kid. I want to push back on that a little bit. I actually got a little choked up watching her. There's nothing bigger in her world than the loss of her son and her three kids now who she's still trying to raise and protect. And I think the point that she was trying to get to was, if you're going to be out here in these streets doing the work, doing the yeoman's work of trying to protect this community, you have to include the community. She should be at the forefront. She didn't ask for a platform, but the fact that she is now being thrusted into this movement She should be at the table. And I think that's what she was getting to is that we have folks and I have an appreciation for lightning rods because they bring attention to stories that would probably otherwise go unheard and unseen. Right. But I think if the family is saying to you that we need to be more involved, it can't just be us as a name. But but the thing is, she hasn't there. They haven't represented their family. No, Sean King was involved. Uh, Crump was involved. I, I, I'm, was Crump her lawyer? Yeah. 
He was her, he was her second lawyer. Oh, that's right. And she was saying that he didn't really know the law right, in Ohio. State. Right. So what I'm saying is that the, the, if, if the they're problem, going to be involved the problem, in this, the, then the infrastructure needs to support these families. So to me, there are other uh, civil rights attorneys in Ohio. So, and this is the, the thing I used to say about Al Sharpton. I, and I even criticize Al Sharpton a lot. But he brings attention. He is a lightning rod. That if, if he shows up, people are going to pay attention to what's happening. Right. So if, if that's what they're going to do, if that's the purpose that they're going to serve, not unlike what King used to do, then they have to be willing to partner with those activists and those organizers who are on the ground in whatever town, city, or state in which the, the, uh, the, the crime against the person, the, the, the state violation, occurs. Because otherwise, it's, it does look like ambulance chasing. And what we want to deal with is this perception. And that's what I was saying earlier, the, the whole thing about Sean King and his uh, audit. To me, you can't have an audit and your friends are doing the audit. The thing is, like, I'm trying to stay away from her pain because there's no way to quantify or qualify her pain. Mm-hmm. Her pain is her pain. You can't say shit about it. It is what it is. But what happens to the rest? of Because they're not just fighting for Tamir Rice. They're not just fighting for Trayvon Martin. They're fighting for kids that are still alive who may be murdered in the street and not receive justice. We cannot do anything about them surviving because they're gone. But there, there are other kids in this world that do need to be saved. But I, I think what was important about her making this statement, and she did apologize to Tamika for, I think she called out her name. I didn't even hear or see her first statement, which kind of yeah, sparked she all this. Yeah, called her bitches, bitches. Oh, okay, that's unfortunate. And she did apologize. But that's the thing, right? I think this is an opportunity to rethink what activism looks like in these moments. Right. So if well, you have a family who's saying, I don't feel seen, I don't feel heard, I feel used by the people, by the very people who are out here saying, I'm trying to fight for this community, there's a disconnect. But how about an opportunity never, to have a those communication? Two, but that, that's, the, that's kind of the problem because those two have never met. And they're but not, that's what I'm saying. Not, it's not about Tamika. And they're not working together. But it's not about Tamika. That's what I'm saying. If you so said the, those two, it, it was about her experience with Crump. Right. It's about her experience with Sean King. So to me, if she's the victim, why is she reaching out to the activists? The activists who wants to, or purportedly is working on her behalf and other people that look like her and look like us, that activist should be reaching out to her. And that's what I she think, was saying. You haven't talked to me but you're out here using my son's name as a fundraising tool. In Tamika Mallory's defense, I don't know if you guys listened to what she said. She said that she had never personally used right, Tamika Rice's it's, it's, name. It's not to, about Tamika Rice. It's not about Tamika Rice. Tamika Mallory. It's not about Tamika Mallory. But it's not about. I don't think it's about any of them. I think that it has to be. It's either about the individuals or it's not about the individuals. But <laughs> no, I think I'm it's thinking both. that it's my not about both. I, well, I don't think it's about the individuals. I think because she said what it represents. She's saying these types, right? right? Right. But these types are also the people who are activated and trying to exactly trying to make a difference. These types are the ones that are making the noise so that the world is actually listening and hearing and and paying attention when another black child dies. But if the noise that they're making and all the attention that they're getting 
is leaving parents in the wake of just being overwhelmed and in the shadows of this movement, we need to revisit what's happening. She said that she was trying to get the officer um, brought back up on charges and nobody's helping with that. She's trying to build a community center. Nobody's helping with that. So here she is struggling with still trying to raise kids by herself, right. dealing with and the grief of loss of the of the loss of a child. And what comes from it, and this is my this is my opinion, is there are people who are able to build their platform and then move on to the next town. And that's problematic to me. Here's what I heard. I was homeless or or about to be homeless, and somebody sent me sixty thousand dollars. And years later, someone else told me that they made that they raised more and I should have gotten more. That's what I heard. If if they use her son's name to raise more money, do you not think she should have gotten more money? Who told him that he raised more money? I don't know, but what, what I'm thing. saying. He doesn't what know I, either because right. he can't prove it. And she said that. So then she why bring it up? So now it's just a rumor that someone said. No, but she's also but saying you actually, that. You actually got $60,000 that got you out of the situation that you were in. Uh, if someone is making money off of your pain, you don't think it, that that person should pay up? But but is it making money yes. or is it or is it facilitating the work that they do? Those are that's a finer distinction. One and two, and two. Hold on, hold on. The fact and what you said was they they come they make us think about about this particular incident and they move on to the next town. Well, the fact that there is a next town to go to because this is happening again is the reason they exist and they're doing the work that they're doing. So you've got to you've got to put that in context as well. The fact that there is another town that I have to go to to address this issue means the issue isn't solved. You're leaving and out some, a critical hold on, and component. Someone has to that do that work. If you're using people along the way to build your own credibility yeah. for your platform, there's a problem with that. If the people who you're leaving behind don't get any further support are not fin financially compensated while you are financially compensated, there's a problem with that. You're saying use, and that right there has a negative... Very liberal. That has a you're negative connotation, that, right? Being very liberal with that language. Because you, you said that I've used this situation to somehow enrich elevate. myself. Enrich myself, right? No, I didn't say enrich yourself. I said elevate or, your platform. Or elevate, or, elevate, or elevate my platform. But what is the platform that I'm standing on? But I also use my platform to bring attention to your issue. So there's a symbiotic and, and, relationship and, there. And the thing is, like, there's not uh, one single issue. We can't, we can't stop at Sean Bell. We can't stop at we, we can't stop at Tamir Rice. We can't stop at Rashard Baker. We because these things keep happening. Again. So you can't stay, you can't stay in this one area and solve this one problem. What then? You know, Brianna Taylor's over here and Sandra Bland's over here. These are multiple issues that have to be tackled and we have to address and bring attention to. Because if we don't bring attention to them, they get swept under the rug. So you're suggesting that there should be no accountability in in, in the way of someone being that's, able to continue. Let, let me finish my question before near you. what I'm. But you saying no accountability, and that's not. I've never said that. Okay. Do you are you saying that? There is a limit on the accountability in which someone who is using another person's <laughs> dead child. A way. <laughs> I, okay, I went from saying no accountability to a limit to the accountability because that's what you're essentially saying. 
that no, I can I can I'm not saying that at all. You're saying I can I as an activist or a, a organizer could be able to use this person's situation. And I'm saying, okay, whatever word you guys want to no, use. No. No. But then I can no. move on to another town, still use that or invocate the same situation that I just left from and then still be able to raise money off of that. You're it's okay with that. There's there's a macro and there's a micro. Do, do, would you prefer that they just stay on a singular subject, a singular incident, and never move on? No, I, I'm just saying we'll it's cav- cavalier we'll for us to think. Talking, we would still that, be talking about Abner Luima, or we'd still be talking about Rodney King. Rodney King would be stuck there because, but the, so the question is, is if, if none of this has changed, what exactly are they doing? You, you're telling me that last summer wasn't different. I'm I'm asking you. We still have a George Floyd. I can law tell you what they're doing. That's I still can tell you what they're doing. not being passed. I think power, that, I think that last summer was different. Power concedes nothing without a demand. They are the activation of the demand. I think Trayvon Martin happened, and what changed? Nothing changed. Exactly. Nothing changed. But what do you, so, do you if, George Floyd if felt you different. don't have if you don't have an if you don't have an activist right let's just say you don't have any activists who are pulling attention to a Trayvon Martin it doesn't even make the news but I'm I'm not saying we'd not get rid of the activists I'm saying we should well, entertain the conversation of what's happening to families I think that's the important part that she raised that if she feels like she's been left behind. If the other mother, who, whose name I can't recall right now, Richard, 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 yes, yeah. If she feels the same way, if there are other parents that feel the same way, we need to have this conversation, and it can't be just dismissed on the fact that no, oh, I don't want to. No, I don't want to dismiss it. I don't want to dismiss it. I don't want to dismiss her pain. Her pain is real. It's it's not just her pain parents, because I think we pain, know that that shit is real. Exactly. And I, I don't want to just talk about her pain because the pain, as you said, we can't even quantify. But what we can quantify is her saying that she feels a certain way about what she is seeing, people building careers off of Black pain and trauma. And if it's not the case, then at least let us have the conversation about it and understand with transparency what's happening with these funds. Because we talk about Black Lives Matter, who has raised hundreds of millions of dollars, and everyone, and not everyone, but there are certain people in the country who are complaining, where are those funds going? I think that's an important conversation for us to have. I, I think those people don't really understand what it takes to put together a movement that has literally... To help them understand with transparency. Change that's the all I'm saying. Well... Who, who pays for the videos, the the paint, the paintbrushes, the rollers, the the sketch I don't know. artists? That's why I'm asking. Yeah, well, that's what I'm asking, and that's, that's what I think. why we, that's why the world even knows what Black Lives Matter is because they've been doing their job. Okay, but knowing who's funding them, knowing where the money is going, how it's been being allocated, I think those are important pieces of the puzzle as well. Because otherwise, it goes back to if you don't create and fill the narrative, other people will. And we've seen this sort of destruction occur with other movements. And I don't think there's anything wrong with they, but you they being able to happen from within. Exactly. That's when they send in the agents. And I don't think there's anything wrong by saying, hey, 
what's happening here? Where's all this money coming from? And where's all of it going? All right. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this episode, and I'm sure you are, be sure to catch the guys for Decoding 40 After Dark every Monday night at 11 p.m. if you're on the East Coast and 8 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. Streaming live on Facebook and YouTube, it's the same shit, just live. Decoding 40 After Dark. Speaking of money, Alaric's been wanting to talk about this for a while, so I, I want to make sure that we address this. You know, we, we all have kids now. I w- I w- but when we started the show, I didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot. But we've been, you know, and, and it, it's so funny because I have been studying a lot around wealth and wealth building and accounting methods and all kinds of stuff in the last three months, just coincidentally. But the question of financial literacy for ourselves, for our community, for our children, I don't feel like the school did a good job in general, but what did your parents teach you about money? What is the school teaching us about money? Are we better now than we were when we went to school? Is it, a, is it better now with access to information, um, just in terms of what, what people are able to learn and what our kids are able to learn? What do you guys think? I don't think it's better. Um, I didn't really learn too much from my parents. Them being more along the lines of get a city job or get a job. It wasn't, I was, college wasn't pushed down my throat. I think that um, right now it's important for us to teach our children financial literacy at a very young age and to start thinking from an entrepreneurial point of view, using whatever talents that they have to try to monetize that, to make money, to then take that money and, and invest it, whether it's real estate, real estate is power. You have, you know, is if once you have real estate, you, you, that's a, 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 a great stepping stone into doing other things. But, um, Pushing your kid to try to figure some stuff out at a young age is great, whatever that idea is, and trying some things and letting them get their feet wet. Also, trying to get their their credit established at a very young age, you know, before they turn eighteen. Uh, you know, a lot of lot of us. I don't know if they still do it, but I remember when we went to when we went on the college campuses, every fucking credit card company was there to give you a credit card to f- get you further into debt outside of the student loan thing. So now you they they're, they're predatory uh you know credit cards they go onto the campus give you a $500 limit with a fucking 28% interest rate on it. You don't know any better and you know if you haven't been educated about credit cards, you think it's free fucking money. And you go to the mall and you spend $400 on your bows. And next thing you know, you're paying it for three years. I'm just telling <laughs> that from experience. Like, that sounds really personal, bro. I'm saying, and, and that's how, and that's, <laughs> them Jabos was real. fly, though. Yeah, they were fire back chilling. in the day. And, and I paid for those Jabos for five years later. You know what I mean? So that's the thing. Like, we're not, we're not letting our children know. And I think we're also, we, we got to get out this idea that the only way to success is going through five years of college and being $200,000 in debt. There's, there's other ways of doing things. And I'm not saying city job. I'm thinking more along the lines of, you know, teaching, along with financial uh, literacy, you also have to teach your kids, how are you going to make this money in this new economy, the future? Because what we're doing right now, they're not going to have jobs available. You think it's bad now, imagine. So your kids got to figure some shit out. That's why, like these fucking parents who got these five-year-olds on YouTube who are worth like, $30 $30 million and all the kid does is play with the fucking toys. Who the fuck knew? It's like you never know. You got to figure, you got to try to figure some shit out with your kids 
and get it together because you, you got to make you got to strike while the iron's hot, make the money, and then then turn in, in turn invest in things. That's that's the best thing you can do. You, you know, um, you said something interesting about some of the jobs that we're doing now won't be available because AI will take over. So uh, about a month ago, I was in LaGuardia Airport. I was sitting in a restaurant um, having some breakfast before my flight. And they have a robot that mops the floors. Mm. And I thought about my grandfather, who worked for Pan Am till he retired. That was his job. He, uh, he was, well, I don't know if he was mopping floors, but he was a custodian for Pan Am. So he cleaned and did maintenance for Pan Am. And now his job is being done by a robot. Yeah. It's and, and, fucking and, and insane. More, and more of those jobs are going to be done by robots. Yeah. And yeah. legal jobs and truck driving jobs and all kinds. And, and trains are going to drive themselves. The bottom so. line is this. China has won. And we are the... <laughs> no. China has won. What do you mean China has we, won? China we, has we won. Their economy, their economy is better than ours. They have won. They will win. And the bottom line is that America is the leading entertainment capital of the world. So you need to... this the way. Just think about how we're motivated by likes and everything else. And that's our form of currency. People are trying... You have to figure out a way to monetize that. That's why a lot of these young ladies out here doing what they're doing, get your money because you have to make that money invest in it and do something with it. It's not Wait, about... are you encouraging your ads. kids to have OnlyFans? No, I'm or not encouraging my daughters to have OnlyFans. Young ladies. What yeah, I'm that's saying, what you just young said. ladies are out but here this on is these what apps. Listen. Those other... This, those other... The kids, other... The other... Not ladies. his kids. <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying is this. There are kids out there, there are young ladies out here that are doing that. If they're doing that, make your money, but better have a plan B with that money because it don't last right. forever. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm similar to you. Like my Get my out. parents really didn't teach me <laughs> a lot about you don't have enough time financial <laughs> literacy. And and my my mom is a steady betty. Bring it. And my <laughs> father was the entrepreneur. But still, you know, I didn't get really educated on credit. I didn't really get educated on a checking account. I didn't really get educated on uh, savings or retirement. But my mother had a pension, mm. right? Or she had a four a pension and then I think a four hundred one k. So there was this automatic. She didn't have to think about her retirement plan. My father, on the other hand, was an entrepreneur. And when I worked for him when I was twelve years old and I worked in the laundromat, I thought he was just being cheap as fuck because he wouldn't pay me minimum wage. So I left and got a job as soon as I could and worked in the mall where they paid me minimum wage. But he was teaching me a deeper lesson about being an entrepreneur is that you have to uh, keep your costs down. And you keep your costs down by hiring <laughs> <laughs> your underage children to work in your establishment. Sweep the well, floor. My, um, my, my parents didn't teach me anything about finances or how to manage money. My grandmother was uh, pretty instrumental in how I think about money. And she always told me, you spend a little save a little and just always have a mindset that you hold back some money. And that sort of has how I kind of deal with money now. It was funny. I, I remember getting a, a Mason, maybe it wasn't a Mason, it was an A&S card. And it was the first time I realized, oh, you actually have to pay this bill back. 
<laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> all right, let me start to manage that. And it wasn't even a lot. I think it was like a three hundred dollar credit mm-hmm. at that time. But Why it was enough to start to, he ran it up to two ninety nine. Exactly, it, it was enough <laughs> to get me to start freaking out about um, paying bills. And so, so it was the polo boots. You bought a pair of polo boots. No, it was some time you yeah. had for <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hill nigga. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but my wife and I with with our sons, what we do first off, they both have debit cards, and so they understand that this card means has purchase power as long as you have money attached to it. So you have to earn the money. It goes on the card. And until you have enough money to buy whatever it is that you want or need, you can't use the card. And I think we've really started to uh, impress upon them that if if they have... Well, actually, both of them are savers, which is pretty interesting to me. Like, they, they'll spend your money, but they'll hold on to their That's money. That's what kids do. <laughs> not all kids, not all kids. Some kids are really spendthrift. So the opposite of thrifty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I, I, I like um, what what we talk to them in terms of. We don't teach them what to think, but we teach them how to think. So the, the idea is, if you're going to create a business, that is an avenue for you. If you're going to work for a company, that's another avenue. But you need to always think in terms of how do I have multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've been impressing upon them. And it's it's almost like you can say, like, we'll just out of the random say something like that or to that effect about, you know, working for yourself or having an exit plan and they'll be at the table rolling their eyes because, but I like that because it's, it's going to sink into their mind because uh, oh, yeah. we're going to keep repeating it. Um, and I want them to not feel like they have to be trapped by a job because that was one of the things that, I'm a little bit resentful for that. I didn't have like real entrepreneurs around me. My grandmother was like, go get a job, get a job, get a job. My mother was like, get a job, get a job, get a job. Mm-hmm. My father wasn't around. So I was like, he need to get a job, get a job, get a job. But, um, <laughs> he need get to get a job, a, boy. Need, don't be like me. <laughs> he need to get a job. Get a job. But, um, don't be like me, boy. But I didn't have entrepreneurs around me in, in that respect. Um, but I had an entrepreneurial spirit because like I think I talked before, I had, sort of uh, grandparents and great-grandparents who, you know, I've come to learn had certain aspects about their uh, um, character that lent towards not working for anyone but themselves. I, I had the benefit of being around nothing but entrepreneurs. Both of my parents were entrepreneurs, but I think I've been talking about this recently, actually. My parents became entrepreneurs out of necessity in a lot of ways and not necessarily you know, wanting to do that. But what I learned from that, it really wasn't about most entrepreneurs um, were horrible money managers. And I don't think my parents, my parents, I learned a lot from watching their mistakes. Um, and I had a lot of entrepreneurs around me, but I would say eight, eight out of 10 of them managed their money poorly. Um, what I did learn is about the freedom of being an entrepreneur and them having, no one told them, where to be and when to be there and what time and when they could take a day off. And that's kind of what I really value about being an entrepreneur now. It's taken me a long time to, because I know, I I knew a lot, I've learned over the years a lot about money management, but entrepreneurs, a lot of times we take our profits and we reinvest it into something else. So most entrepreneurs I know that are really successful are really on some get rich slow and they take their profits and reinvest it back into what they're doing. So they don't have this bag of money just sitting around. But I think, you know, as you get older, I think you start to look at money differently. And like, I've been looking at money differently, like, okay, 
you know, I got to I got to put some some money away and, you know, I got a child now. You got to think about things differently. Uh, but overall, I don't think the schools do it. And what's really upset with me is like I was fortunate enough, like my parents, when I was four five years old, I knew how to write a check. There's never been any class that I ever took to show me how to write a check, show me how to balance a checkbook, to show me how to save money, to show me how to do splits, to show me how to pay taxes. There's never been any class all the way through the master's level that taught me any of that. Now, why is it no matter how high you go up that they don't teach people basic money management? Why is that not part of the curriculum? Why is that not part of the system? It's not beneficial to the system. And and I which is why it's which is why it's it's our job. And this is why I wanted to talk about this. I get very upset about that. So when I see these videos on online when they have kids, like when I see parents that are drilling their kids, like what is an interest rate? What is it, you know, what does it mean? And you drill this stuff into your kids where it becomes second nature. I, you know, like right now, I know, and I'm sure he's dead and gone. My fifth grade teacher, Mr. Nussbaum, man. Mr. Nussbaum, rest in peace, man. I'm wherever you are. But Mr. Nussbaum, <laughs> rest in peace wherever <laughs> probably, you are. He's probably he's like, listening to the I'm show like, I'm dead. dead. <laughs> I'm alive, you fuck. I'm yeah. coming to see you, bastard. <laughs> so, but anyway, so but Mr. Nussbaum, How like a lot run? of teachers. Right, exactly. When we used to get in trouble, he didn't make us write, I will not talk in class. He made us write our multiplication tables. And I'm one times one equals one. Well, up to 12 times 12, and then sometimes 50, no, 15 times 15. So I'm, because he made us do that anytime we talked, and I like, yeah, talked a lot in class. I, um, I could do numbers in my head that a lot of people, like I can literally do massive numbers in my head because of Mr. Nussbaum. So like I thought it was punishment and it was actually, he was teaching me something. So it's it's things like that. I'm looking for creative ways like that to instill in my kids to be able to get sounds like a Michelle Pfeiffer moment um, with Mr. (laughs) Nussbaum. It was was more like a Mr. Miyagi moment, like wax on, wax off. Like, Like you didn't know you were training. It, that's really what it was like. Oh, Shout out shit. to Mr. Nussbaum, man. Alexon. Oh, 100%. Uh, Lex off. <laughs> exactly. That's what one plus one, a two, a two plus a two, a four, a four plus a four, eight, eight plus an eight, a sixteen. Exactly you are good at math, Mr. Macabonetta. <laughs> but I need you to shut the fuck up in class. <laughs> preach, preach, shut your fuck up. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I've really been on recently just trying to figure out like investing and and you know i remember in the fifth grade we had a class and we would pick stocks and and mm-hmm. and we we had to buy the new york times like the entire class had to buy you, yeah mm-hmm. i can't remember, I remember it was mr who was our fifth grade teacher fifth grade it was mr was it mr oreski i think you said do it mr oreski yeah. mr oreski used to do it yeah. mr oreski it wasn't Mr. Nussbaum. <laughs> but we would buy the New York Times, we would pick a stock and we would mm-hmm. and we would watch it and mm-hmm. see how it did. But yeah. the thing is like it never really tied itself to actual money. You yeah. know, we never we never made that connection. Like it was sort of like watching uh sports scores, right? Um I, you're you're I not really I- that you wanted your team to win, but you didn't have any skin in the game. Um, I remember I remember that class and wanting to know more, 
because I've always had an affinity for money, just me personally. So I, I definitely wanted to, because I knew that's how motherfuckers made money. And I just didn't, like you said, I just didn't have the money <laughs> to buy these stocks. But I was definitely interested. I wanted to know more. But I, I wonder if that was more of something that he did or is that just an experiment or what, man? Because I don't think I've never learned anything. Like I had one class in high school that we we touched on the whole writing checks and things of that nature. So, but, you know, never after that, never after Mr. Oreski. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm off of the Christmas uh, buying a bunch of gifts and what I want to start doing, what I have done you know before. that Scrooge. But I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna it's be good. a Scrooge, but that's all right. That's all right. They're gonna they're gonna appreciate it when they're fucking 18 and they graduate college and they can decide. I mean, they graduate high school and they can decide whether they want to go to Europe or they want to go to whatever school they want to go to therapy, and they can pay for it themselves. <laughs> we never had a Christmas. <laughs> exactly. I never had a I'm Christmas. Going to but- the North Pole. <laughs> but I do have a fucking uh, trust fund. <laughs> oh my god! Fuck Christmas. Anyway, so I I bought Bitcoin for them. Mm. I've been buying Bitcoin. I was just going to say that. Yes, and um, their Bitcoin's doing very well. I will say that. Oh my goodness! But you sound like I didn't. Right hey, it is doing very well right now. But I didn't buy okay. it. Understand? But I didn't buy it understanding that it was going to do anything. Right. Right. I bought it on a. Oh, this is happening. Maybe I should get involved. <laughs> right. Right. But I, I bought it back in 2017. Oh, nice. Oh, so when, you have when seen the first growth. one was born. Yeah, there has been some growth. Yeah. There has been a bit of yeah, growth. We, I bought we, for I bought for my niece, my nephew, uh, and my, my daughter, and my son wasn't here yet. We've started but looking at Bitcoin the, the seriously, like for long term investing. Yeah. I I I bought I bought some Litecoin when it was cheap and it's mm-hmm. up to like almost 200 bucks. But I bought it when it, that was I wish I would have dumped tens of thousands in but I didn't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that Litecoin is interesting. But I and, and I'm not telling anyone to invest. You have to make your own decisions. You got to you know, research. <laughs> Anybody takes any financial advice based on this conversation? Word. Yeah, yeah you fucked up already. You fucked up. This tax moment has been brought to you by these niggas don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. That's what we're telling we, you. We don't, we don't, know. don't know. We're trying yeah. to figure it out, though. We're trying to yeah, figure it out. No doubt. No doubt. Well, do, do your own research. Take the time. I feel we have to, we, we have to double down on what we research so we can, we can triple down on what we teach. And that's kind of where I'm at with that. Anyway, what are we drinking? This week's libation. What did you learn and what are you drinking? Do it, do it at the same time. I learned oh, that I'm wow. drinking monkey shoulder and it still works. <laughs> I am uh, still works. <laughs> it still works. I'm I'm still on my Basil Hayden. And I learned that uh in the civil rights movement, sometimes you gotta talk behind closed doors before you start blowing shit up in the in the media because it just leaves a bad taste right. and can't let the other side see what you're doing. So Try doing How you gonna that. say that? And you didn't even watch the video we talking about. I'm, I, 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 I don't have to. I don't. I didn't have to watch the video. <laughs> I didn't have to watch the video lying. to understand the narrative, and that's what's been. That's what's happened in the past, and will continue to happen because money is always an issue when it comes to anything, not just civil rights. 
It's a nuanced I, conversation. I have, I have learned uh, that I should be happy to have a man cave uh, in this house shopping process. And I am drinking the last, or I have I've finished the last of my Elijah Craig. I think what your wife should do is every time you pipe up about some fucking thing you want for the house is make you do your multiplication tables on the fucking <laughs> 15, 15 times 15, 15 right now. 225. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nussbone somewhere. Very good, Mr. Bennett. Very good. Uh, it's very good as his multiplication. 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 Yeah. Multiplication tables. Yeah, there you I'm go. I'm good at those two. That's it. That's it. Multiplication is brought to you by Uncle Nearest. Yeah. Oh, but I do. I didn't learn this today, but I learned this a couple days ago that monkey shoulder is an affliction that happens to people as they were mixing the mash. So people who worked in the distilling business. Ah. Mm. As they were mixing the mash, they would throw their shoulders out. It's kind of like tennis elbow, but they would call it the monkey shoulder. That's some that's you, you get the more you know uh, award for the night. Dude. Yes. Alaric knows all the answers. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Check us out with a new episode every Friday. Check us on the live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook every Monday night at 11 p.m. We hope to see you guys. Make sure you follow us on, on social and leave us leave us a comment and call a, call the line. Leave us a, a comment. 608-618-4040. That's 608-618-4040. Boom. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Peace. 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 Decoding 40.